Welcome to the podcast of the Urban Mystic. Uh, my name is Tim, and I'm going to be the host of the session. This is episode two of season one, and I just want to dive into what I mean by the transcendent. This is something that I often end up talking to people about, and I realize that it needs some clarity because nine times out of ten, I get asked what I meant by the transcendent. I use it as a bit of a placeholder concept and as placeholder language. So one of the big challenges that we have when exploring the subject of religion, spirituality, and mysticism, and our experience thereof, and our lack of experience thereof, and the ideas of God associated therewith, one of the problems that we have is that the language that we use, the expectations we have, the way in which we behave, and what we are able to experience are all actually intertwined together. And so the language of there being a horizon and beyond the horizon, there being the transcendent, is language that I use for myself and in conversation with others to, to explore the notion of our ordinary world of experience and how when we change our world, we change the experiences that are available to us. And in so doing, what we, we don't actually end up changing our world, we end up changing what we engage with that's in our worlds. That's not necessarily a part of our normal daily life. And so this really, it, it, it brings us to the recognition that the language that we use is very important because we use language to direct our attention. And that in many cases, when people are talking about their idea of God or the idea of God, that discussion and what they mean by that and what, they, what they're trying to establish by that is often disconnected from the reality of the who or what they experience when they are speaking about God. And so and so, what, develop, what this development of language enables us to do is to immediately distinguish between when we're talking about an idea completely in the abstract and when we're talking about experiences that we have that we're wrestling with, especially and importantly, the, the transition that we're making between the idea of God being important to us as opposed to the reality of God and how the latter can replace the former. In many cases, you and I have often ended up speaking to people that are committed to the idea of God alone. And this idea of God is disconnected from the experiences that people have. And in turn, and that this idea of God is is disconnected from the experiences that they have. And so people aren't actually putting an experience on the table that we can share. God becomes not something that we can engage together, but God becomes something that they fight about and they wrestle for. But it's not actually God that they're wrestling for. They're wrestling for the idea of God. And I think we see it, it quite often in the religions when we're dealing with people who are wanting to increase the market share of their faith and people who are really sold out to the cause of their religion and believe that, that it is through the cause of their religion and converting people to that religion that they're really going to go about bringing the kind of change they want to see in our society and, and our world. And so if we return to that notion of, of the game drive, there's a big difference between sitting on that vehicle, going on the game drive, and trying to spot animals that are out there, and being the person who doesn't ever go on a game drive but picks up a books and is going to talk about the animals and their behavior. There's a big difference between the felt experience of engaging something in its natural habitat and engaging something in the abstract through books and through tech and in teaching environments. And for the most part, when we're dealing with religion, spirituality, and mysticism, we're dealing with abstracted teaching environments where at best you can go on an excursion to a zoo of some kind or an aquarium and you can see whichever majestic creature you're interested in seeing 
in an environment where they're contained and they're actually abstracted from their natural environment. And so, for instance, if you go on a on a game drive and there is no window, no vehicle, nothing between you and a lion that is out there, that felt experience is completely different to seeing a lion caged up in a zoo. And similarly, if you are shark diving, um, if you're out diving and there's a shark in front of you and you're in the water, the felt experience is completely different to going to an aquarium and observing a shark swimming casually around in the environment that they're in. Equally importantly, in both cases, you'd see we're talking about an individual that would have shifted from an abstracted environment where they're exposed in a very safe way to the natural habitat of these creatures where that safety net and that abstraction is removed. And now people engage these creatures in a very different way. I like this as an analogy for various different reasons, this analogy of going on a game, game drive and trying to God spot. Because when we change our expectations and our behavior in order to change the world in which we're experiencing things, if I change my environment to the Kruger National Park, I'm not going to be spotting a great white shark. If I change my environment to the ocean, I'm not going to be spotting lions. And when it comes to this subject, the uh, the language that we use differs from group to group and from person to person that we engage with. As they use that language, people can be talking, talking about the idea of God, but they're not necessarily talking about the same thing. So one of the big problems that we have here with language is that is that we're not using language in a in a strict sense. We're not using it in the way in which you're going to be using it in a in a scientific paper. People use language with a lot more flexibility and a lot more variety. Yeah. And so one of the big problems when exploring the subject of religion, spirituality, and mysticism with some people using language that is that is very over-specialized and particular about one narrow range of experience. So referring to that that analogy of the of the, of the game drive, they, they're sitting in a teaching environment. People could go to either environment. They could go to the ocean. They could go to the um, they could go to the savannah plains, and yet they use language that basically talks about the the what you experience being exactly the same thing. And unfortunately, in a highly abstracted conversation, that ends up being the case that our language ends up tripping us up, because we're not using language in a way that helps us to cross over into experiencing what we're talking about. We're using language to define one position as being more correct than another. And um, and so the way in which language is used in the subject gives many people the impression that because you're going on a journey, you know, because you're going on a journey that all journeys are the same. And because you're going on a journey, what you experience at the end of that journey and you come back talking about is exactly the same. Now, if we take a look at going to the ocean to spot great white sharks, we could take a look at going to the savannah plains to spot lions. We're clearly not talking about the same thing. And yet, in the subject of religion and spirituality, you find that people use language to too quickly bring us to a conclusion about the who or what it is people are experiencing when they talk about their religious experience. And so we see this amongst people that are that are highly committed to their religion and the and the idea of God. And we see it amongst people that are highly committed to standing against and rejecting the idea of God. And you see exactly the same um, 
behavior taking place and exactly the same commitment to belief. And at the foundation, neither of them are experiencing what people are talking about when they're talking about the idea of God. So whether it's important to hold to it or important to reject it, at the end of the day, we've got to establish whether they are experiencing that and whether it's an experience that is available to us or whether they're just wanting to get us to buy into an idea. So one clear example of that is the is the religious person that comes to my door. It's a particular brand of religion that comes around quite often and they come around at twos and they've always got some 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 cheesy literature and they, they're wanting to get uh, me to read sections out of a particular religious text and agree that there's there's logical coherence that this text says the following and and on the basis of this text being true i therefore have to accept it i have to become one of them and go and join their religion and become one of the crew that goes out doing the thing that they do when talking to those people i'm I'm, I, I often start very respectful. I don't end very respectful uh, as often as I as I as I liked, and I, I'm not ashamed to admit <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit that. But you know, if they're not going to come in and drink coffee with me, um, because I'm some kind of heathen heretic, then I get to behave like a heathen and heretic as well, and just uh, and just reject them. But that 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 caveat aside, when 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 talking to them, I, I generally ask them at some point to put the book aside and to tell me about their experiences. I, I highlight the fact that that in that this book talks about people experiencing the transcendent. This book talks about someone drawing near in person to speak and act, and that being the literal core of the text that they have. And if that be, is the literal core of the text that they have, then I'm sure that that is the literal core of their experience. And if that is the literal core of their experience and the foundation of the faith they have, I'm very interested in hearing about it. And 10 out of 10, that particular religious crew would at that point want to shut the conversation down. And if they don't want to shut it down then, they'll certainly shut it down when I open the next question. And so, so they will usually say, we don't believe on the basis of experience or fleeting feelings or this or that. This highlights to me their discomfort in this, their unwillingness to speak about this, is it, is it highlights the disconnect between the reality of what they it is that they experience, and the reality and the idea of God that they that they're putting forth. And so, having arrived at that point, I often shift the conversation to the next point, where I say, "Well, let's invite God to draw near in person and see what God wants to say and do." And ten out of ten, they will reject that. And so, so what's peculiar about this is you find a religious group that believes that there's only one true God which is their app, their particular brand. And and yet and yet they're not willing to trust God to draw near in person. And yet their religious text is all about this personal God who wants a relationship with people. And so there's a bit of a logical absurdity in that. And yet when people are very committed to standing against the idea of God, it is it is much easier to do it on the basis of of the commonality of God not being available to experience. And so in conversations with people that define themselves as as, as committed atheists and as anti-religious people, I see a similar thing going on. I see people that are very committed to the idea that there is absolutely no experiential foundation possible or available that and the strong commitment to the belief that there's no there is no scientific investigation and support for any of this kind of stuff out there. And so they're 100% committed to rejecting the idea of God on the basis of what they're holding to. And, and what's interesting with this is that there are scientific studies and there is evidence out there 
but the behavior that they exhibit is one where they'll, they'll exclude the data, they'll exclude the studies, they'll exclude the experiences that people have, and they'll write them off. And so it's, it's one of those things where they justify their belief against by excluding any evidence for, because they want to reject the idea of God. And so it, it's not a matter of there not being an experience of God or the transcendent available. It's not a matter of there not being in scientific investigations available at all. It is a matter about wanting to reject a specific idea of God. And so it's not about the 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 logic per se of what they of what they're doing, but it is about what they personally want to do. And so where the religious person will avoid experience in order to continue to maintain the, the sanctity and the safety of their idea of God, the, the anti-religious and the atheist will similarly want to maintain an absence of experience to maintain the safety of their rejection of the idea of God. And I don't believe that any of those positions are as helpful as they, as, as they could be. Now, chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't fit into either category. And chances are you've had exactly the same frustrating experience. And so you will know that 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 there are times and seasons in your life where you've caught a glimpse of the transcendent. You've caught a glimpse of something out there that has either drawn near to you and spoken to you or has stepped into a situation and, and, and protected you or guided you. And it, when you tell that story to the religious, they quickly see it as an opportunity to try and bring you to believe into their idea of God. And if you tell it to people that are anti-religious and a-religious and atheistic, they will quickly want to explain your experience away. And yet, whether you agree with the former or the latter, you know that that something or someone that you've glimpsed, you know that that experience that you have carries on sitting with you doesn't matter that you agree with them logically on the basis of what you say. You know within yourself that there is a someone, a something out there, and 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 there's an inner impetus, an inner urge to find and, and connect with it. And so the tricky thing with this kind of thing is that because uh, language is something that we use to shape our experience and shape our reality and to shape what we do together. What happens when you join a religious group is that often you never get to pursue the transcendent. You don't get to further your engagement with the transcendent. You get a transition from that quest to justifying the idea of God. And what happens when you join the anti-religions and you join the atheists is that is that you you transition from that experience and that urge that you have to joining the cause of fighting against the idea of God and fighting against established religions and such. But it also doesn't further you on that journey of discovering the reality of what the transcendent is. And so in some ways, what, we, what we've got to do is find a better alternative that, that we don't only have a choice between two positions and the one position is to choose a religion and adopt a religion and its language games and practices and, and teaching environments, its abstracted environments that don't enable us to engage the transcendent anyway. That is that is the one option. But the other option for people is to is to join the crew that stands against this and rejects all of this and says there's that that because of the failures of religion and you know we'll 
100% have to have a conversation about religion blowing its witness. But when you take a look at this, there's a there's a big difference between going, I have this inner desire to pursue something. I don't know how to go about doing it. I don't know what language I need to use into it. But then I get opted into one of these courses. So that's not what the urban mystic needs to do. The urban mystic needs to recognize that foundational experience of opening or discovering that there is something out there, there is a someone out there, and to hold open the question of who and what is this, and how do I go about engaging it, and that's quite different. And so I want to offer a, a concept that's quite intertwined here, and, and, but I don't think is that hard to understand, but it is tying the notion of the transcendent to the, to the notion of the horizon. The horizon and what lies beyond it is the transcendent serves as a very practical analogy for trying to understand how we go about pursuing the reality of the transcendent and how we go about finding new language in keeping with what we experience. And so for me, the notion of the horizon has both a horizontal di dimension that includes both geography and time and a vertical dimension that includes height and depth. And then it's also got an inner dimension and an outward dimension. And so that might sound ridiculously complex to start, but if you bear with me for a second, it's actually quite easy to understand. So let's start from the basis of there just being a literal horizon out there. I can stand on this ball called the Earth, and I can look out there, and there's a point where I can see no further. But I know there's something beyond that. And so, so that something beyond that is something I can travel to. And as I travel, that horizon keeps shifting. And, and, but there comes to a point where I can't travel any further. And then we talk about the transcendent. There's something that transcends us. It's a it's a different environment to what we're used to. It's a different environment to which we adapted, to which we've been living in, where we make our living. It's an alien environment to us, and there's an adventure involved in traveling there. Um, now, similarly, and uh, it ends up being a 360 degree horizon because I can go in any direction and I can turn in any direction, and I'm going to see that. And so, whether I'm looking to the future or to the past, it's exactly the same thing. I can only see so far into the future and so far into the past. Beyond that, I have to build a map. I have to build a map of what lies beyond that. And so so beyond the horizon often lies our, our maps. But, but, but I'm talking about something that lies beyond our maps, and that's the reality of there being an environment that we, we eventually get to the point where we can go no further. And beyond that point is the, whatever transcends us. And so in another sense, there's also the vertical dimension in terms of height and depth. And so when people talk about the transcendent, they talk about the things of ultimate meaning of that. There's the language of looking to the heavens and the language of looking to the depths below, of trying to find the foundation, of trying to find what's ultimately beyond everything that I, that I, that I look up to. And so, so there is something in this. When people experience the transcendent, um, when they experience this who or what engaging them, it is often somewhere in all of this. There's there's a, a spatial reference. There is a there's myself as the po one point, and then there's another point. There is someone that has become present to me, or something that I've glimpsed, which is either below, above, beyond, out there. It's either in my inner space, or it's 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 out there, actually, literally in in the world at large. And so so that's the reality of what we're looking to. That there there is actually an external horizon point out there in the cosmos beyond the civilization and the daily life of the urban desert that I've got. And yet within myself, there is also an internal 
horizon because I have an internal world and there's an internal journey that I can go on as well. And so often for the mystic to be, the journey of discovering the transcendent both involves an outer journey in the literal world with these real relationships that we have and an inward journey into the internal world and the internal reality that we have and engaging the deeper deeper self and so there's this outward inward journey there's a there's an active passive there's a there's a waiting and a going that is involved in in all of this um but because the horizon is so vast, problems emerge when people speak about the experience that they deem religious, spiritual, and mystical. Why? Because, because we can too quickly try to conclude the subject try, by understanding that when people are talking about the experience, they're of, of necessity talking about the same thing. So people can be using completely different language. And we want to go, no, they're talking about the same thing. And then we get really frustrated in the conversation. And the conversation ends up not being helpful because we're not understanding what it is people we're experiencing. What we're trying to do is try and force their experience into the same mold of everyone else's experience. And so the one trick with language is exactly this. It's a, it's the, or the one problem of language is exactly this, is that people can be using the same language to be talking about very different things. And they can be using different language to be talking about the very same thing. And so we need to shift between what it is we're trying to, to understand. And often when I talk to people that are religious and, and many of my Christian friends fit into, into this category, when talking to people about their experience, they're too quickly trying to bring it down to the idea of God that they have. And they may lack the experience of God or the God that they're talking about, but they very quickly want to try and judge people and fit them on, in or out on how they line up to that idea of God. And so this language of the horizon allows for one person to look to the horizon. So they're sitting in the urban desert. They've got some idea of lions and sharks from books that they read and, and zoos and aquariums that they've been to. And they go, you know, I want to go on a journey. And I want to go and look one of these majestic creatures in the eye. And then they go about their journey. And so the other thing about language is, is in a teaching environment, and if all we're limited to is our religious environments, the, we can be so committed to the idea of God, or like atheists, so committed against the idea of God that we never go on that journey of discovery. We never go and look these majestic creatures in the eye for ourselves. When we get to the concept of, of, of the trans, transcendent, so using this analogy of the horizon to bring us to the concept of the transcendent, I recognize that that none of us have grown up in a, a vacuum. I certainly have, neither of you. We've all grown up with the idea of God around us as part of our family and as part of our society. If you're part of a family and our childhood, our early childhood ends up being the springboard from when we from when we engage stuff. And so in my case, my, my family was very committed to the fact that we do not, under any circumstances, talk about or talk about religion, sex, or politics. And the reason why is people can never agree on them and you can never have a conversation with them without ending up fighting about it. And then it's pointless and relationships and friendships are broken. And for the most part, that's just where I see people staying. People don't have meaningful discussions about these things very often. And when they do, it's only with the, the few 
you know, the one or two close people. It's not generally with, with, with people out there. And so in most situations and in most religious environments, one isn't having a free conversation about the who or what one is experiencing. One is having, one is engaged in, a, in an educated, educating environment that is basically trying to bring you to the place where you're supposed to believe in order to belong and behave in order to belong. And if you don't do the believing, you don't do the behaving, then you don't you don't belong. So in most religious environments, you don't do the work of pursuing and engaging. What you do is, is you're just going to a zoo or an aquarium together in your religious services. You're never going on that game drive or that shark cage dive. As I've wrestled with the subject over the years, I've 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 come to the place where the notion of the idea of God as internalized within an individual and the idea of God as internalized within the great religions out there are only two points to a triangle. And that when you put those two together, you know, you draw a line between those two and then you go, when I, when I bring these together to form the top of the triangle, what are they referring to? And so in some cases, the, 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 the internal idea of God and the institutionalized idea of God points us in three different directions. And so I'm just using these three. Of course, there may be any others that you bring to the table, and I'd love to hear your, your thoughts about this as well. So the caveat here is really that this is, this is as I'm thinking about it, I found this pretty useful. And I hope that it'll be useful to, to, to you too. And so for me, when I triangulate these two, when I try triangulate from the idea of God as internalized and institutionalized, and I look to where it is pointing to, because there's an orientation here, then I see three primary references to what the transcendent is. And here again, the transcendent lies somewhere beyond that internal, external horizon. And the transcendent is something that we arrive at through a journey. And as as urban mystics, we end up being mystics to be in the sense that we need to undergo this journey to arrive at a, at a state and a place that's both wherever we are and yet within us. It is embodied within us and it is established relationally within us. And this inner place, this place, this horizon ends up serving us in a number of different ways. So listening to some of the great religions out there and listening to to people and the idea that they've internalized and looking at the journey that they're on some people triangulate this to the deep inner self that that this state and place within us means that we arrive through a long and arduous journey at a place where deep within myself i realize that i'm standing at a mirror and what i'm seeing reflected is myself back to myself deep within my inner self and so the transcendent, in, in my mind, I use the language transcendent to encapsulate that, that for some people, this is actually the case. And for other people who've never experienced this, this ends up being a very important thing for them to capture as well. That it's very important that the inward journey is an inward relational journey of the discovery of the self and of the shifting from being my social self to being my authentic inner self. And then secondly, there's another collection of uh, uh, there's another collection of the idea of God as established institutionally and internally within people that journey that inward outward journey towards the horizon and transcendent takes them to a place that they can go no further and that place is a vista 
and they're standing on the vista, like standing on the edge of a mountain, and they're looking out, and they're apprehending the essential unity of all things and their oneness together with everything. And at the same time, they're apprehending the fundamental underlying nothingness to everything that there is, including themselves because they weren't, they've come to be, and they're going to pass and be gone, including our society, which has come to be from nothing and will pass and come to nothing, including the ideas of God that everyone have. Why? Because they didn't exist. They came to be and they're going to pass. And and as one takes in other situations, the notion that creation itself has somehow unfolded from this nothingness and will one day return to it. And so that is a tremendous thing to come to. But so far, we've only got these two things. We've got the internal self as the internal mirror and the internal um, vista, horizon transcendent, the state place within us can also be a meeting place. It can be the meeting place that I arrived to from a long and arduous journey. I may have gotten to see myself as a mirror, I may not. I may have stood on the vista and perceived the unity and nothingness of, of, of all things, I may not. But I might arrive at that place and, and discover that it is a meeting place where I stand having reached the very end of the journey that I can go on within and out there. And yet standing in this place, it becomes a meeting place where a self-revealing person, a, a someone, steps forth from beyond nothingness, steps forth from beyond the fundamental unity to meet with me, steps forward from beyond the mirror to engage me. And so for me, when I use this language of the transcendent and I use the language of the horizon, the horizon takes us to, the, to, can only take us so far because that is what we know and what we come to know through our journey. And beyond that lies the transcendent. And the transcendent in each of these cases ends up being tremendously important. And so when I talk to people of a religious persuasion or another, they keep wanting to collapse each of these trajectories into the other. So I speak to some people that want to go, you know who that that, that self-revealing someone is? Oh, it is ultimately you because I want to collapse this into that into this and you know who who the enduring self self is beyond that unity and the nothingness well there is only one you and that is really what you see in the mirror and then in other cases people want to go no no there is no you i've never found a you no one has come and spoken to me i've just stood on the precipice and either experienced the unity or the nothingness or perhaps both you know and on this we can agree that there is no there is no fundamental self to you and there is no fundamental someone out there they call God. And in other situations, people want to take the one truth of there being a self-revealing someone who is drawn near to them and said, this is the one truth for everyone, as opposed to this being a category of experiences that people can have. And so in, in that case, they can go, I've only had this experience, and they're impoverished in the sense that they have never stood at this at this state place and understood that it is also a vista onto the unity and earthliness onto all things and that it is also a a a um the place where i stand and i look in the mirror and i engage myself and so these these three things are what i understand when it comes to to the transcendent and and i think that we so these three things are quite important when it comes to the experience of the transcendent because i'm not looking to buy into any particular religion out there and if you have i'd really love you to let that go on and go on this journey and so the notion of the transcendent here is actually really important to me because i'm i'm drawing together 
the 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 breadth of what people have experienced in the great religions. And so within the monotheistic religions, what ends up being key for them is the self-revealing someone that has stepped into history. And yet those religions so often get hijacked into geopolitical, geoethnic, economic narratives that become all about the nation state and all about a power politics where they end up being douches to the rest of the world. I really don't want to buy into any of that. And yet sim similarly, when I talk to, to people who are committed to the great um, Buddhist streams of, of, of religions, and, and they're very committed to this one truth that there is this vista and they, they, that we all should get there, they're excluding this contribution of these personal self-revealing individuals. And with others, when I speak to people that are of, uh, of the more Hindu persuasion, the more psychoanalytical persuasion, the, the, the side that is possibly um, we're more open to as, as Western people, although we've got a secularized version thereof, it ends up being, or a de-religious version thereof, a, a version where we've exercised the religion and removed the religion from it, and yet it is still fundamentally the same thing. It is still the belief that, that there's an internal mirror only. You know, when I when I speak to people and they're, they're committed to the one thing or another, they're often more committed to the idea of what this is. The, the commitment to the idea far exceeds the experience thereof. And in fact, when it comes to the language of the practice, they're, they're mere beginners. And so often there are people that have been committed deeply to a religion their whole lives. They've been there for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and yet they're completely impoverished in the very thing that matters. And what matters is, is, is our journey, our engagement with the transcendent. And that's largely what's missing out there in the world today. And that's largely what is missing in the religions out there in the world today. And so if you have this inkling towards discovering this, I'm, I'm, I'm really just wanting to offer this as some language, as, as some language tools that you can, can use in your own practice. So what we're doing here is, is we're really just offering some language tools and some concepts for you to use. And I hope that this and I hope that this understanding of the way in which language is used and the way in which language can prohibit us or stop us from experiencing something or enable us from experiencing something, that that ends up being useful. And I hope this language or this concept of there being a horizon and a transcendence and how the internalized idea of God within us and the institutionalized idea of God can help us understand the transcendent and the scope of what we want to include. And so I hope that this is, uh, is very helpful to you. And I'm really looking forward to the conversations and discussions that are going to come out. Really just want to encourage you to spend some time thinking through this and chewing through this for, the, for yourselves. Because ultimately, what someone else has experienced and what they've spoken about and the legacy that they've left us is important for us to respect. But it is not valuable to us if it is not something that we can integrate into our own lives. And so... So what I'm really wanting to encourage us to do is to develop a practice that is our own, that we shift from the abstract to the first person present continuous with this kind of stuff. And I love that idea because what it what it brings home to me is the is the recognition that it doesn't matter how great Jesus was if that experience that he had of God is not one that is available to me. It doesn't matter how great Buddha was if that experience of God is not available to me you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not going to belabor the point too much, but thank you very much for spending your time with me. 
I hope this proves to be as valuable to you as it is proving to be to me. And I'm really just looking forward to having conversations with you and many more coming out of this and from learning from those conversations.